to this word and uh, the theme of this thing because I'm kind of excited so I, I I may yell and I hope it doesn't kill the broadcast or online thing I'm gonna get a little loud but I'm gonna contrast kind of what's what's happened through this past week and I know pastor is coming and he plans on being here June the 7th when we open up and so uh, I know he's going to give his testimony and talk about some things that took place and the miracle that took place. I'm just going, I may mention here and there something, some things that behind the scenes that nobody pretty saw or whatever, but I'm just, I'm just in a celebratory mode. I'm really in a celebratory mode where I want to celebrate the goodness of God and I want to talk about how praising him is where we, what we need to be doing. How praising him opens up doors in your life and, and really tears down strongholds. And praising him really puts the attention on where the attention needs to go. And it doesn't need to be on us. It has nothing to do with us. Praising him will help form the weapon that will be used against the enemy. And so I'm excited to share this word with you. And we're going to come from 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verses 1 through 22. And we're going to hit those things. But man, I want to challenge you. Today is a challenge for every person watching, listening. It's a challenge uh, to you. And because there has been a challenge that's been set before us, in this country, in this nation. And we're walking through a crazy challenge with this virus and economic things and all this stuff is going on. Man, we got a challenge in front of us. So how are you gonna face that challenge? What are you gonna do? Are you gonna cower? Are you gonna hide? Or are you going to step out of the shadows and stand up and be the man and woman of God that God has called you to be? Through praise, it, it makes you bold. The power of the Holy Spirit makes you bold. And now you have to declare who God is and what God can do. So I'm just telling you, you have a weapon and it's in your praise. And so we're facing these challenges. These things are going on. But listen, I want to ask you some questions. If, you're, if your health is failing, right? If your health is failing, what do you do? What do we do? We go to the doctor. Because we, we, we believe. And now some people are, you know, way out there where they say, no, I don't need no doctor. The God, God is my physician. Well, that's all well and good. But remember, God made doctors. And so uh, let's use wisdom. But most of the time, you, you go to the doctor. Well, if your house, if something is going wrong with your house and things are falling apart, what do you do? Well, you call someone, a, a, a fix-it, Mr. Fix-it man, that can come to your house and repair whatever's going on in your house. If you go to the, uh, if you have a problem with your, your car, what happens? You call a mechanic, because a mechanic normally can fix your car problem. Well, you know what? What do you do when you have a problem that's, that's really making this world fall apart? What do you do? Where do you run to when the nation is health in helter-skelter? What do you do when people around you are, don't know where to go, don't have the answers, all those kind of things? What do you do? When you hit a crisis that's too big, that you have nowhere to run and no one else or no one else to run to, 
What do you do when all human options have disappeared on you? What do you do when you run north, south, east, west? The answers, they just are too difficult. And everybody is trying a lot of things. But no one has the definitive answer. It's not only affecting you, but it's affecting your neighborhood. It's affecting your schools, right? It's affecting your jobs, right? It's affecting the church. It's affecting our world. I'm not just talking about corona. I'm not just talking about that. But I'm talking about things that are affecting your life. There's something that you may be walking through right at this moment, right at this time. And I'm telling you, where do you run to? And I'm talking about negative crisis. A crisis is considered a time of intense difficulty, trouble, or danger. A crisis is a situation that may be overwhelming for you. A crisis can come in a lot of forms, right? It can come in economic, relational crises, social crises, career crises, family crises, health crises. We know some of these crises can be very overwhelming. We're not making light of that. But what do you do when you know that there is nothing that you can do? Where do you run when you know there's nothing within your human power that you can do on your own? And that's why I love this, this chapter, 2 Chronicles. It has uh, chapter 20. You know, Jeho- it's the story of Jehoshaphat. And Jehoshaphat, what was going on, he had a real problem on his hands. It's a problem that affected the whole nation. And it says here in verse 2, it says, a vast army is coming against you. He had some people come and tell him, hey, man, you're in trouble. There's armies coming. There's people coming against you. They're coming to get you. And this is the thing. He saw that the enemy was coming from every side. And guess what? They had a name. Your enemy has a name. It might be corona. It might be sickness. It might be debt. It might be depression, insecurity, grief, fear, anger. You have an enemy. Whatever the name is, it may be closing in on you right now. And I'm telling you, Jehoshaphat, he had a predicament. He was in a crisis. And look, it was coming from every direction. You ever feel like uh, that, you know, you just can't catch a break? It's like wherever you go, something else happens. Something else happens. We were watching some, we were sitting watching TV with my kids. We were doing some Netflix and, and all that. And on this show we were watching, it's like every time you turn around, there was some drama. Every time you turn around, it was like, man, they can't get a break. They're always in trouble. Well, that's how some people feel right now. Everywhere they turn, it's some trouble. It's this and that and all that. You know you're in a crisis when the, your emotions get the best of you. When you don't have any more, it's like your patience is run thin. It's like anybody says something to you, it sets you off. You might be walking through a crisis. Because in verse 3 it says, Jehoshaphat was alarmed. He was afraid. This virus has people afraid. They have people, man, people, you go to the store, they don't want to touch you, they don't want to do this, they got their mask on. It got people, this thing has people so afraid that they're driving around in their car by themselves with their mask on. Somebody help me understand that. It's gotten that bad where people are that afraid. 
And don't you cough nowhere. Oh, my God. You, they're going to run you out the store. We've gotten to that point where things are, are, people have things afraid. And it's not just virus. It's all different kind of things. You know? So last week, we had fear show up here at Daystar Family Church. We had fear show up at our doorstep. We were in a predicament where we didn't know what to do. We didn't know what to do. All we knew, we, we turned to prayer. But in the natural, it was out of our hands because we didn't have the answers. And so fear may be gripping you from every side. No matter what it is, there's things that you can do in order to combat this thing, like Jehoshaphat did. Jehoshaphat was faced with a problem he could not fix. He was faced with a crisis he did not know what to do with. This was his corona. <laughs> this was his virus that he was facing. You understand what I'm saying? And so we're, we're told in the midst of the problem that he turned his eyes to seek the Lord. He turned his eyes to see, to watch for God to show up. And guess what? Here, we pray. We, we, we're, we're supposed to be seeking God during this time. Some of us are not seeking God. We're seeking other things. We're seeking other answers. We're seeking other solutions. But here, Jehoshaphat said, no, I got to seek God. I got to go after him. He's going to provide the answer. We had to seek God for our pastor last week because we didn't know what was going on. We had to pray. We sought, we sought God because he was the only source, the only person that we could turn to. And in verse 3, it says, he looked up. Because looking out at man, you know what? They don't have the problem. They can't solve the problem. We had to look to God. We see more people on Facebook now. Everybody's a prophet. Everybody is bishop so-and-so, overseer this one. And everybody's got a word. Everybody's trying to predict what's happening. They're trying to give us the words. They're trying to give us the answers. And it's not, it's not working. That's not what's doing it. God, they have to seek God, and they have to get their answers from God. And that's what we have to do in this time. It's pretty clear that we are in a dilemma that is bigger than us. We're in a problem. We have a situation that's way bigger than us. You might be facing a situation that's bigger than you. This past week, man, we were facing a huge dilemma here at church with our pastor that was way bigger than what we could do. We all may be facing our personal coronas, viruses that have wreaked havoc on our lives. But in the words, it says Jehoshaphat, he sought the, word, he sought the Lord. He wanted to bring God into the equation of his dilemma. You know, you are in a crisis when you're, <laughs> you know you're in a crisis when the more you try to fix it, the worse it gets. It's almost like quicksand. You know how you're trying to get out of quicksand. That's the way it works. You, you, you're trying to move and you're trying, and the more you move, the more you try to do, the worse it gets. That's the same way with some crisis. That, that was a dilemma. Some, that's a, uh, uh, this, this type of pandemic that is happening in our lives, the more, it's almost as if the more we're trying to fix it and the more we're trying to put our hands on it, the worse it's getting. So where, what, what is our answer? Come on. It has to deal with God. 
So Jehoshaphat has a problem. But he decides to turn to the Lord and he invites everyone else to join him. Because in verse 4 it says this, the people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. And then back in verse 3, it says, even, he even called for the people to fast. That's what we need today. We need a fast. Somebody needs to, we need to either stop watching social, get off social media, get a meal, push back the meal. Some of y'all are putting on the quarantine 15. And y'all need to say no. But what I'm saying is we need to call a fast. We need to make sure that we, you understand, listen, the way fasting works, fasting ignites prayer. It moves prayer along at a faster rate. Fasting is giving up something physical to gain something spiritual. Some people visit the spiritual, this is some people, they visit the spiritual, right, while we live and are controlled by the physical. In other words, we, we don't have a problem with praying when we need them or praying here and there. But sometimes we can't say no to some things in our physical body, in our physical realm, to hear God. A lot of times, listen, the word, the word tells us some things don't come but through prayer and fasting. They work together. We need to fast. So this is what some people visit. That's what we said. Visit the spiritual while they live and are controlled by the physical. But what does pray? What it shifts that fasting shifts this. It says right now the spiritual is more important than the physical. Heaven is more important than earth because I, hey, this is what happens. I can't fix earth with earth. I can't fix the spiritual with the physical. Come on, right? My problems, our problems, they're too big. I need the unseen world to enter into the seen world to affect my dilemma or my crisis. Right? So he called the fast. And that's what we should be doing now, and some people are. We should pick a meal or two a day or, or, or a show or, or, or something that we don't need to watch or get off of social media for a while. Something that we can do to say, you know what, God? Seeking you, going after you is more important than fulfilling my physical because I want something supernatural to happen on this earth, but I got to include heaven. I have to include the spiritual in order to affect the natural. Come on, can somebody say amen in the chat there? Say amen. And y'all out here that's joining me in there, I don't hear y'all. Amen. So this is what he's saying. Something that we can give up in the physical to have an effect on, on, the, on the spiritual. Listen, this is what's so cool. Tuesday, when Pastor experienced the miracle, I found out that day there were people in this church that had called a fast from 6 a.m. to 3 o'clock. And that was so profound because, as you know, and you'll find out more, that, that night was the night that he, he received the miracle. Amen? So we have to fast. We are saying we are willing to give up some things in order to gain God. 
in order to gain him and for God to come in the middle of our pain and struggle. We see that in order for King Jehoshaphat to have called everyone together to seek the Lord, he had to make sure they were in right standing with the Lord. So if you look back in chapter 19, verse 4, it says this, Jehoshaphat lived in Jerusalem and he went out among the people. Come on, he went preaching, he went evangelizing from Beersheba to the hill country of Ephraim and turned them back to the Lord, the God of their ancestors. Listen, being right with God, sometimes it's a prerequisite to hearing from him, right? Being in right standing with him and being in, and I'm telling you, there's God's grace, but there's something about being in right standing with God that gives you favor and access like never before. So being, we, we can fast, we can pray all day, but if we don't get right with the one we are talking to, we don't have a guarantee that he's going to do what he said he's going to do. Especially if there's a chance that we get our request, right? We know how we do. We want God to come in. We want God to fix it. We want God to, to change everything. And then when he does, we don't, hear, we don't hear nothing from you. God don't hear nothing from you until you're in trouble again. Right? That's what we do as humans. And, that's, and, and we, we sow. We, we go out there and we sow all this stuff and, and do all these things. And then we come back and we pray for crop failure. We pray, God, please, I know I did wrong. I know I did, Lord. If you just get me out of this one, Lord, I promise I'll never do it again. And what happens? A lot of times he gets you out and you go right back to what you were doing. So, no, this is not what God, he, that's, this is what he's saying. Jehoshaphat is saying, no, we got to go back to God. We have to go back to our original uh, person that saved us, that got us out of uh, trouble, that, that has provided for us, that has done so many different things for us. So he said, you know what, we got to get back in right standing with God. So get, they got right with God first. We have had, we got problems in this nation. We've had problems before this virus. We've got political, racial, economic, religious, all kind of different issues and problems that we face in this world. But this is what he did. He called everyone to come and join in because there were some situations. There was a situation that he could not fix. It was too big for him by himself. He called unity. Verse, thir verse 13 says, all the men of Judah with their wives and children and little ones stood before the Lord. Their wives, their children, men led them. The men of the house, men led them. Their wives and their children followed and the family was in on this deal. Come on, how big? You, listen, a lot of the issues and problems that we face in this nation, if we in our family units would tackle those things through prayer and, and fasting and whatever, I'm telling you, a lot of the issues would come down. There's something about unity. There's something about the family joining together on this thing. And that's what happened. The men were up front leading their families all together because the crisis was going to take a collective effort. This crisis, this thing that we're facing, it's going to take all of us. You know, we got we to gotta tear down these walls, these divisions, this church and that church. Nothing wrong with different churches, but we all got to have the same goal. 
is calling all of us to come together and do this thing. Jehoshaphat was saying that it's going to affect us all. This whole thing, it's going to affect us all. And so we all need to come together in this thing. So during this time, we have been calling on God for a solution, right? A lot of people have been praying, seeking God for a solution. God, you got to do this thing. We called on God this week for our pastor. We said, God, it's in your hands. God, they're saying this, but God, you are big. And people around this country collect, came together and, and, and they said, no, 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 no. We're going to seek you, God, because this problem, this issue is too big for us to handle alone. And, it's, and with this virus, it's so much uncertainty. You don't know who to believe. Are the numbers accurate? Is it safe for to stay at home? Who do we believe? We must call on God because he will provide the right answers. Jehoshaphat makes a statement in verse 12. It says, we don't know what to do. Our eyes are on you. We don't, listen, this is the thing. We, we have a problem with not being in control. We want to fix everything, especially if, it's, if you're a mama. Your mama, you want to fix everything. You want to make sure your baby don't hurt. You want to make sure that they don't, don't fall off the bike. You, make sure you, know, you want to fix everything. But we, we do. We want to fix everything. We do not like not being in control. You know, that statement of, hey, control what you can control and everything else don't worry about. Well, that's, that's kind of hard for people because people want to control. And that's why it's so hard for some people to have faith sometimes. Because faith, it, it tells them, you know what? You're not in control. And sometimes that, that's just hard for some people. But I'm telling you right now that, listen, there are things that you just can't control. You have to depend on God. God sometimes allows things in our lives to happen to show us how bad we need him. To show us our humanness. To show us that, you know what, without me, this thing ain't going to work. And so this is the thing. We are helpless without God. And Jehoshaphat, what is he? He says, we don't know what to do. And Jehoshaphat said, look, and I ain't too proud to beg. I got to have God. I need your help. And what did he do? He humbled himself. And he began. He prayed. He said a prayer in verse 5. In verse 5. It said, and let me summarize the ingredients of this prayer. It said, you start with praise. You start your praise with a prayer. And so what does he do? What does he do? He starts his prayer by rehearsing God's person. And then he graduates to God's power. He tells how God how great he is, how awesome he is. He tells God he rules from heaven. He tells God he rules over all the kingdom. This is good to know because it's letting us know that there, there is no problem here on earth that God can't overrule. He's bigger. He's awesome. He tells God that the enemy that is coming against him is no comp competition for his God. He's basically bragging on God's person, right? But then he talks about God's power, and this is what we want. We want the power of God. Don't ask for his power and skip his person, right? Because his power is tied to his character. Come on, somebody say amen. His power is, is, is tied to his character. You want to know what he is like in order to get what he can do.
You want to know what he's like so you can get and get and, and learn and see what he can do. So he brags on God. He makes a big deal of who God is because Jehoshaphat has a big virus. He has a big army. He has a big problem that he's facing. But the bigger the problem, the bigger the God. Come on. The bigger the problem, the bigger God can be all over that problem. Right? And so everyone came in unity because that's how big this problem is. This past week, we came in unity as a church because our pastor was going through a sickness, an illness. And, and I'm telling you, we, we bonded together as a church. There's people around the country that bonded together and came together in unity in prayer. And I'm telling you, unity has to happen in order for this pandemic to, 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 to see itself defeated. Unity has to happen in order for us to have uh, uh, economic uh, uh, restoration and, and, and racial issues that, that this world is supposed to be going through. The problem with this world is it has a, a lack of God in it. Don't get me wrong. We, we love God here at Daystar Family Church, but God, God needs to be in our community. God needs to be in our school. God needs to be on our job. So unity has to happen. Listen, from the outhouse to the White House, everyone should be dropping on their knees going after God. All of us need to get on one accord and bombard heaven in order to get a solution to this problem, a solution to your problem, a solution to the viruses that may be in your life. We got to come together and we have to seek God for this answer. After his prayer, what happened? He got a prophetic word. In verse 14, it says, he called the prophet and said, if you listen to the prophet, then verse 20 is going to happen. You will succeed. We definitely need a word from God. And back here, back in the day, a prophet, when the prophet showed up, everybody got nervous. <laughs> everybody got nervous back then when the prophet showed up because a lot of times it's like, oh, here comes trouble. Here comes calamity. And no, that's not. A lot of times is sometimes uh, it dealt with the negative things, but it had a positive outcome. Because mostly it was saying, you know what? You need to get right with God so your situation would change. You want, you want God to move. You want this thing, thing to pass. Well, you need to get in right standing with God. You need to turn your heart towards God, right? That's what the prophet did so that deliverance could take place, so that whatever the enemy meant for, we, we, we sang it this morning, you took what the enemy meant for, for evil and you turned it around for your good. Well, the prophet was saying, listen, if you would turn to God, if you would do these things, then I'm telling you, God is going to turn that situation around. We, we see, this is, this is key. This is cool. This is what I thought about. In Jeremiah 1.12, Amplified Version, it says, Then the Lord said to me, You have seen well, for I am actively watching over my word to fulfill it. And I'm going to take a side note here. It was a couple of years ago. And, I'm, and listen, Pastor has gotten so many words over his life. And people have spoken directly into his life. I'm just trying to get, put this in perspective of how when God, when God sends a word specifically for you, 
that he will not, he will watch over that word until it's performed in your life. And I'm telling you that pastor was, was, was laying there and it made me think, you know what? God has, was, is not done with you. God is not done with our pastor. He's still watching over some words that have been spoken over his life. And those things have not come to pass yet. So you know what? He's going to live and he will not die. Come on. That's exactly what I thought about because it was right here. I spoke to him and Pastor Christie, and I was like, listen. Then I read this verse, and I was like, no, he's not done. And so the word, sometimes we need a specific word in our lives to continue to do what God has called us to do. Amen? We need a rhema word. We understand the rhema word is a word for the specific time and a specific purpose. A rhema word may not be for everybody, but everybody else, but a word just for you. The Bible says the word came from the prophet. Listen, a, a, lot, of stuff, a lot of what's going on on Facebook, everybody is prophet this, they're giving words and all those kind of things. Listen, I'm not making light of that. What I'm saying is you got to try the spirit by the spirit. You got to make sure because if it's a prophet and it's the word of God, you, they must stay consistent with the written, written word and the living word to have a prophetic word. You got to make sure that it's, it's, it lines up with the word of God. If the rhema word is not consistent with the living word and the written word, then it's a false prophecy. They're, they parking lot prophets. They P-O- they P-R-O-F-I-T, prophet. I'll give you an example. I had a cousin, I won't say his name on, uh, on, on the thing because he, he might get me, but I had a cousin call me and he was just dumbfounded because he went to a service and man, this man called him out uh, out of the service and told him to come up front and he went up there and he said, oh man, God's got a word, because this man don't know me from nowhere, from Adam. I'm telling you, God has a word for me. And he was excited, man. He was really excited. So he got up there, and the man, he was giving out words and putting his hands on people and touching people and all those kind of things. And he got to my cousin, and he, he put his hand on my cousin's head. He said, I bind the spirit of crack cocaine over your life. And my cousin opened his eyes like, what? Mind you, my cousin ain't never done a drug in his life. He barely took Tylenol. You got to be careful of who speaks over your life. Because everybody that says they're a prophet may not be a prophet from God. Amen? So, be careful. You got to get a word from God. I know all kinds of people are, are saying this and saying that and giving there and speaking this and speaking that. But we have to be listening so careful to the voice of God. The medical exper experts are saying this, and, but what is God saying? The medical experts had, their, had what they, they, they said what they were going to say over pastor. They had their theories. They had their ideas. But it wasn't what God said. It's not what God said. He said he's going to live and not die, right? Nothing wrong with med medical professionals. Nothing wrong with them. They have a job to do. But the bottom line is God has the final say. Come on, somebody put that in the chat and say God has the final say in, in your life, in your personal life. You want to listen for a prophetic word. It may come from your pastor. It may come from your leader. It may come from someone else. But you want to listen for the word that speaks 
specifically in your life and make sure that it lines up with his written word. Somebody say amen. So after they prayed, God brought a prophet. And then it was time for a praise. That's when it was time for a praise. Look at how much praise went on in this chapter without the problem being solved. So look here in verse 18. It says, they fell down before the Lord and worshiped him. In verse 19, it says, they stood up and praised the Lord. In verse 21, it says, they sang to the Lord and those who praised him in their holy priestly attire as they went out before the army and said, praise and give thanks to the Lord for his mercy and loving kindness endure forever. In verse 22, it says, when they began singing and praising the Lord, he set ambushes. So in other words, praise made the difference. Monday, we came together in this city, right here in this stage, and we prayed for our pastor. People came together, and we prayed, and we sought the word of the Lord. Pastor Andrew gave a word from the Lord, and then we praised God like it was happening, like it happened right then and there. We praised God before the situation was resolved, amen? And that old song, it says, don't wait. I used to, I love this song. Don't wait till the battle is over. Shout now. Anybody can get up here and praise when, the, when it's done. Anybody can do that. But it takes, it takes maturity. It takes you understanding and knowing who God is to praise him before the situation is even resolved. Before the situation was resolved with our pastor, we praised God because we knew that God could do it. Somebody needs to praise God before they even see the breakthrough. Before this pandemic is over, we need to praise God like it is over, like it's done. You see, they had a problem. They had an invasion. They themselves could not, could not overcome a virus we don't have an answer for, a job situation that we can't fix a relationship that we can't mend, a health situation we didn't have an answer to. They had a problem they couldn't fix. They led, it led to a prayer. The prayer opened the door for a prophet, and then it was time to get a praise on. Somebody say, get your praise on. Let's talk about praise. Praise is an expressing value. It's, it's a value to God. Praise, the act of expressing approval or admiration commendation, laudation, the offering of grateful homage in words or songs as an act of worship. Look, you can worship privately without saying a word. You can worship in your heart. You can worship in your mind. You can worship in silence. But you can't do that with praise. You can't do that with praise. You can't be silent with your praise. Praise is worship gone public. You want everybody to know how good and how great your God is. It's an outward expression. Praise is declaring your stand. It's declaring who you stand for. It's declaring how great God is. And that's what the psalmist meant in Psalm 34. It said, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. In other words, get your praise on. When you magnify God, you, make, you, don't, you don't make God bigger, no. But what does a magnifying glass do? A magnifying glass doesn't make something bigger. What does it do? It shows you in a bigger way what's already there. 
God is already there in that situation and he's working that situation out. The Bible says that he inhabits the praises of his people. But this is the key. This means he hangs out in praise with those that are in right standing with him. He hangs out there. He sets up shop there. He says, you know what? I'm welcome in this, in this atmosphere. So in your home, do you have an atmosphere of praise? On your job, wherever you may go, in your churches, whatever, is there an atmosphere of praise where God feels welcome, where he can hang out there? Get your praise on even though you don't see the resolution to the problem yet. Praise God that he's bigger than Corona. Praise God that he's bigger than your private Coronas. Praise God that he's bigger than your health situation. Praise him, those viruses that are in your life. Praise him because he's bigger than the virus of sin. How many understand? That's a big virus. Praise him that he's bigger than cancer. He's bigger than a heart disease. He's bigger than what the doctor diagnosed. He's bigger than that situation. Praise him that he is bigger than the greatest challenge that comes up in your life. In verse 22, it says this. It says, when God heard their praise, he set up an ambush for the enemy. Come on. He set an ambush up for the enemy. When you praise, you are actually forming and constructing your weapon that will be used against your enemy. When you praise, it's almost like you're in an assembly line and you're just fixing, you know, you're doing it, you're putting this thing together because that praise is forming the weapon that's going to defeat the enemy. So praise is your weapon. That's what's going to help defeat things in your life. It's going to definitely affect and defeat depression. It's going to affect those suicide thoughts. It's going to affect those issues and how you combat those issues in your life. I love football because in football, what happens? You got a center and the center, he hikes the ball to the quarterback. And so what we're going to we're going to act like the football is the problem. So what happens when the quarterback gets the football? What does he do? Now the defense is trying to go after the quarterback. But what does the quarterback do? The quarterback hands off to the, the, the running back, right? And so when they hand it off to the running back, what happens? Well, now the defense goes after the running back. Well, what happened? You know what? He shifted the problem to someone else. He shifted the problem over. And you may have a problem right now, but when you praise, you may have that problem right now, but when you praise, you're shifting that problem over to God. Praise shifts the problem from you to God. It says, you know what? I can't handle this, but this God I serve, God, he can. The battle is not yours, it's the Lord's. That's why when David was facing Goliath, it says in 1 Samuel 17, 26, it says, For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he has taunted and defiled the armies of the living God? David shifted it over. He said, you know what? You ain't messing with me. You messing with my almighty God. In other words, he made it a spiritual battle. It's not just about the physical battle with this disease or with corona. It wasn't this physical battle with our pastor. No, it was
was a spiritual battle. He said, Goliath, you may be big, but I know a God that's bigger. Come on. When you learn to shift your pain, your problems, your dilemma, your crisis, your corona, your health, over to God, now you have someone that's bigger than the problem that you face. The issue we face during this pandemic, the issue we face day to day, it's time that we shift those things over to God. The Bible says this in Psalms 50, verse 23, that praise is your deliverance. How many out there need deliverance? God will deliver you in your praise. You might say, my problem has not been solved yet. Ah, that's okay. It may not have been solved yet, but get your praise on. What am I praising for if I don't see the solution? Why am I praising? Because you know what? You're saying, God, I know you can solve the problem. I'm praising because it's not so big that you're not bigger than the problem. And there's no way. I'm praising because for him, I was, really, I'm praising because what I've seen in the Bible, right? Because of what I saw in the Word. It said it healed the woman with the issue of blood. Well, guess what? They said Pastor had an issue, a, a blood issue. So if he did it for the woman and the issue of blood, with the issue of blood in the Word of God, you know what? He could do it for our pastor. And that's what happened. Listen, if he did it before, he can do it again. That's why throughout the Bible, it rehearses God delivering people from Egypt. It rehearses God delivering through the Red Sea. Why? It says this, so that when they ran into their next Pharaoh, when they ran into their next Pharaoh, now they have something to back it up. Because now they could look back and they could say, you know what? God delivered me from the from the, my enemy. He, 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 he parted the Red Sea so I could walk right through that thing. He, they, they saw that, hey, God helped them out before, and guess what? He's going to do it again. Amen? The problem is, if you don't have a history with God, the problem is we need to create our own history with God. We need to have our own history with Him. We need to create memories of what God did before in our lives. And so this is what I'm saying to you. You won't be as energized if you don't have a history with him. You won't be as energized to praise him. You won't be so hyped up to give him praise and give him glory. Somebody needs to create history with him today. Somebody needs to fall on their knees and humble themselves and say, God, I need you. God, I need you. Jesus, I need you to be the Lord of my life. Somebody look, create history with God today. Throughout the Bible, people who got their praise on, things happen. Things happen with the wall of Jericho. They're walking around the wall. They once every, uh, for seven days, once a day, they would shout. What was that shout? It was a shout of praise. Come on, it was a shout of praise. And so you gotta, you got to praise the, the God that of the Bible the God of that history. Because what happens? A wall, they, they were walking around the wall. They were walking around a thick problem that they had. A wall that wouldn't fall. An enemy that wouldn't fold. But when they got their praise on, the cracks started coming in the wall. The things started crumbling. Things started taking place. Rumbling started happening. And 
when the, when praise went up, the wall began to collapse, right? And the problem came to an end. I believe this with all of my heart. As the worship team comes, listen, that Monday night, man, we begin to shout. And we begin to praise God. And I believe that the wall started crumbling. And the enemy that tried to set up a wall around our pastor, that those walls started coming down. And prayers from people all around the world, it culminated in a praise that shook heaven. The enemy was defeated. Ask Paul and Silas, same thing. They begin to praise God. They begin to shout glory to his name. And guess what? They were free. And brought salvation to the to the Philippine uh, uh, jailer. And so when you get your praise on, this is what it does. It causes heaven to move so that the earth shakes. What? It causes heaven to move, that the earth shakes. The rumbling down here occurs because God is moving. Praise is not just uh, praise is not until praise is not praise until it's expressed. When is the last time you got your praise on for real? When is the last time you said you didn't care what people thought? You didn't care who was around you and you begin to praise God. While you're fasting, get your praise on. When you're in prayer, get your praise on. In your sickness, get your praise on. In your dilemma, praise God because he deserves the praise. Magnify him. Make a big deal of who God is. Psalm 34, 4 and 5, it says, My fear looked up to him and they were calm. So if you're nervous about corona, if you're nervous about the economic situation, if you're nervous or scared about your job, if you're scared about your health, tell your fears to look at somebody else. Because as long as they're looking at you, they're going to control you. But tell your fears that there is someone else I want you to look at. Because there is somebody else I want you to respond to. Don't look at me. Look at Jesus. So the more fearful you get, the more enclosed you feel. Get your praise on. It's time that we join with heaven. Come on. It's time that we join with heaven and proclaim what heaven already knows. That our God is worthy. That our God is holy. That our God is almighty. That he is deserving of all of our praise. It's time that we join in praise that will move heaven. That earth will be shaken with revival. Come on, somebody say revival. You will never know. God is all you need until you know God is all you have. Right now, God is all you have. So let us, let's, let's let him know. Let's let him know how we feel. Because heaven can rule over earth. Especially when you get your praise on. Listen, it's time for us to praise God. It's time for us to forget about every situation that we're walking through and involve God, involve our family, involve our friends, involve all of those that are trusting and believing in God because this pandemic is not going anywhere until we get in unity and we declare together and we get in right standing with God and we start to praise him and give him honor and glory for who he is and declaring how big he is and how great he is no matter what the situation may look like right now 
our God is bigger than whatever it looks like, whatever it sounds like. We want God to come. We want him to show up. We want him to give the answer. And I'm telling you, it's time for us as a body of believers to join together and praise him during this time. I dare you, wherever you are, come on, just lift your hands wherever you are, wherever you are in your room, come on. And we're going to come into this song, and I dare you to just begin to sing this song over your house.